0: gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of No Names All Game. Today is Wednesday, nope, Thursday, January 16th. The season is over. LSU Tigers are national champions in pretty exciting fashion. But we are back to talk some Penn State football. My name is Chris, joined by my co-host Pat. It has been a month, month and a half since we've talked. Pat, how are you,
1: man? Yeah, since since, uh, before the bowl game.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we did. Uh, we did a preview. Oh, we did watch
1: together. So
0: we did. Pat was in New York. Went to a Mercury Bar in New York City to watch the game. It Was a great game. Your Nittany Lions are Cotton Bowl champs. Uh, finished the season eleven and two. Is that right? Yeah. Great season. Um, obviously, we wanted national championship. We wanted playoff. We wanted Big Ten championship. It didn't happen. But we're here to wrap
1: things up. Um, okay. Eleven and two, and finish the year ranked at number nine. For what? You know, most people were predicting it was a rebuilding year, and the over-under was set at, what, eight wins? I think it was like eight and a half, yeah. So, pretty good. Pretty good. Um,
0: I think most people had us at eight and four, nine and three, so you finish the regular season at ten and two, and then you get a bowl win over, I mean, I'll say it, a pretty good Memphis team. Like, I gave them a lot of shit on our preview, saying that they weren't in our league, and I shouldn't be worried about them. Put up a hell of a lot of points on us, like, they they moved, so... We'll get into the Cotton Bowl recap a little bit. Um, this episode is is kind of a kind of a what do they call it? Like a potpourri. And we got a bunch of random shit together. A uh, hodgepodge. Yeah, take my man card for saying potpourri, but uh, this is going to be a little bit of everything. We're going to talk a little bit NFL draft. We're going to talk a little bit coaching changes. We'll we'll look back to the Cotton Bowl quick. And um, just take take some questions from you guys on Twitter. Um, yeah, it's going to be fun. We're going to have a lot of off-season content for you. This is our first ever, hopefully, video podcast. We're trying something new. Pat, you are on video. Last time I put a video out, you were flexing
1: unknowingly. So, I was stretching, and it looked like a flex. Sure, embarrassing for me. Exactly, exactly. So uh, I didn't yeah. even have a pump. It wasn't good. I thought it was pretty good for
0: what it's worth. <laughs> but uh, but here nor there, we got a lot to talk about. So let's jump right into it. Uh, we will start with the heavy topic. Uh, if you are On Twitter, on social media, anywhere in the world of Penn State news, you heard this. Uh, Two days ago, Isaiah Humphreys, who was a safety with Penn State for one year, uh, filed a lawsuit against James Franklin, um, named a couple of players in uh, what allegations are a violent and sexual hazing uh, situation. So before I say anything, before any of us say anything, we're going to start with this. If any of these allegations are true, we obviously do not support that. We think it is terrible. It is fucked up. It should be punished. It should be handled appropriately. And we hope that it's not true. Is that fair to say, Pat? Are we aligned on that?
1: Yeah, of course. And this is not something you want to hear about a uh, program a school that you love. Uh, I, I really hope it isn't true. not just because of the ramifications it'll have on something I love, but because I, it's a horrible thing. Yeah. And you don't want something that, you know you represent that represents you to be doing something wrong like something so wrong
0: yeah exactly and that, that's what i think the biggest piece is like okay so we we've said our we've said our piece there and i think <laughs> like it seems ridiculous that we have to say that but i feel like you do because of just the nature of it all like yeah, yeah of if, course if, if this is true of course that's fucking horrendous i hope it's not but let's start with what we actually know so here's all we know and and this is we'll get into my feelings on how people have handled this in a minute what we know is that Isaiah Humphreys filed a lawsuit. It's a civil lawsuit against Franklin, named some players. I don't know if it's against the university, I don't know exactly who, but filed the lawsuit that these things happened. What we also know is that this was brought up, um, I don't know exactly how long ago, about a year ago, when I guess when he was on campus, um, they got the Office of Sexual Misconduct, the Office of uh, Student Affairs, and and the DA involved They investigated, found no criminal charges, and dismissed it. That's it, as far as I'm concerned. Like, that's all we know. Are you an insider? Do you know anything else?
1: Uh, The only other thing I know is that the lawyer representing Isaiah Humphrey is the same lawyer that represented the doctor who was wrongfully dismissed. And so this is his second lawsuit in as many years against James Franklin.
0: Yeah, so there's... I mean there's a lot like there's a lot to talk about but there's also not. And and here's where I'll start. I tweeted this out the other day. Um, one of our followers who who tweets us a lot, Nick Rocky, uh, you know, first tweeted it to me. He was like, "Hey, emergency, what do we do if this is true?" And like my answer and I, I mean, it's not trying to like play it cool. Like my actual answer is I have no idea, man. Like I don't play the what if. Like what if this is true? What if is what's going to happen? I have no idea, dude. Like all we know is that a lawsuit happened these allegations are brought up historically the team investigated the school investigated the DA investigated whatever happened it was dismissed that's all i know it's like i i don't like getting involved of like this is true this isn't true this is going to happen this isn't going to happen it's a lawsuit man like that's what, the, that's what the judiciary system is there for let it
1: play out i will say though the story sounds a little it doesn't really add up to me
0: yeah so let's 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 get into that and you know obviously we'll preface this with these are our personal opinions. That's why we do this podcast. Like, you know, th- this is what we think of it. So my, my first problem with all of it is the reporting and the way the media handles it. Um, so Live was the first ones to break it, at least that I saw. Um, I used to love Live When I was a bit younger, like a year or two years out of school, they were like almost on like the daily. I would read their shit every day, just like keep in tune with Penn State football. It was kind of like before some of the bigger blogs happened. I used to really like them. Um, as I've gotten older and like, I don't know. I don't love trashing people. They're just bad journalists, man. They're not good at what they do. They, they, they are very clickbaity. Like them and Onward State are probably two that I, at this point, just like I don't follow anymore. I don't. Read I used to really like Onward State too. Same, and like Onward State's, I guess a little bit different because they're mostly student journalists. So like, you give them a little bit of slack. Like there are a couple of people who write for Onward State that I do still really enjoy reading though. And I'm sure, and I'm sure there are, and like. Live, same thing. I don't mean to generalize. I'm sure there's some some great people. But, like, Live came out with it first. And, like, their headline was, like, uh, Coach Franklin and players, like, sued for this. Which, like, yeah, that's factual. They are sued for it. But they gave zero context on what actually happened or or any of the past details. And that's the thing. Like, obviously, we don't know what actually happened. The only people that know what actually happened are the people in that locker room. So, like, what pissed me off is they put out this huge article, like, drop this bomb, and don't include anything that, like, hey, this happened, it was raised to local authorities, it was dismissed, all that kind of stuff. Like, I, when when Nick first tweeted it to us, the first thing I did, I just Googled Isaiah Humphrey's lawsuit, Penn State lawsuit. I was like, hey, let me see what else is out there. And I found the 24-7 article within, I don't know, two minutes that cited all of that historical information. And, like... Again, that's not to say it's right, wrong, and different. Like, none of us know the truth, but like if you're going to put that kind of story out there, give me the context, you know?
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm, honestly, the big thing in the story that didn't make sense to me is that he claimed this was, I think the exact words were, it was hazing by the upperclassmen against the underclassmen. And then the three people he named, four people he names, are Micah Parsons, same age as, as Isaiah Humphreys. Yep. Jesse Luceda, I believe also the same age as Isaiah Humphreys. Um, who's the teammate he went to Harrisburg with? Uh Damian Barber. same age as Isaiah Humphreys, and you two gross matos, one year older than Isaiah Humphreys. Like those are all also underclass. I'm like, who wrote this kid's story? Jesse Smollett? Like, it just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> oh geez. Well I, I
0: I'm not gonna go there, I'll tell you that. But but yeah, that was one that was one thing that pissed me off too. Like, yeah, so Jesse and Micah are in the same recruiting class as him. Yitor is one year older, and Damien, I think, is one year older as well. Say, like, here, no, there. They're all freshmen and sophomore, which, again, if these things happened, doesn't make it any better. But if you are writing a story and you are helping craft this narrative, like, be smart about it. And, like, Penn Live, you cover Penn State. You should, like, listen, if the lawyer writes in the lawsuit that they was upperclassmen, yeah, of course, he's trying to make the case sound. As bad as it can be. Like there's a lot of shit in there that is worded very strongly. And again, if it's true, I like I'm gonna stop saying it after this one, but if it's true, it's terrible. Um, but as a lawyer, that's what you do. You word things as severely as you can. As a Penn State beat writer, like unless you are quoting from the lawsuit, like word for word, you should at least make a note of it. Um I read I read an article on uh on The Athletic, Audrey Snyder, who I love. Like I've referenced her many, many times in this podcast. I love her writing. She wrote in there, she's like, and upperclassmen ringleaders, which again is a quote from the lawsuit, but as a writer who covers the team, why not put a note in there of, note, these players are the same age, like, I don't know, it just, it it seems shady, and like, I have a problem with how 10 state media covered it, because it was just, it was all accusatory, all, like, sound the alarm, things are terrible, this is a problem. Whereas like, I don't know, I would have liked to seen more of at least the Penn State media saying, hey, this happened, here's what happened in the past, here's what we know, and this is maybe how it might play out. Like, when you see TMZ and ESPN and all the others going crazy on it, like, yeah, it's bound to happen. It is what it is. But I don't know. I was a little disappointed by how
1: internal Penn State media covered it. There's also, they talked about how you, they Penn State like sandbagged him throughout the uh, transfer process. like. There's absolutely no history of Penn State doing that to anybody. Yeah, Jawan Johnson went out of his way to thank Penn State in his uh, declaration letter, and then there was another player who transferred who's at Rutgers now, who just came out on Twitter and said like, "Yeah, I was on campus the same time as this kid, and he was treated great."
0: Yeah, yeah. So, and, and this is like, I want to be like super clear here. I'm not defending anything here. Like, I'm not trying to come across as like this didn't happen because again. I don't know what happened. Yeah, and I don't know. I don't think it
1: did, but yeah. I don't know.
0: I, I'll i say this. I would like to believe it didn't happen. I have no idea what happened. And if you are out there claiming you know what happened, you're an idiot. And I'll get to that point in a minute. Um, but what I what you did bring up that I like is, is yeah, uh, a lot of current players, former players, came out tweeting sort of their thoughts on it. And honestly, I was a little surprised by that because, For me, like, the way I see this happening is the lawsuit happens, Franklin hears about it, I imagine he has probably a, you know, very intimate meeting with Micah, Jesse, uh, Damian, and Etor, since they were named in this lawsuit, Um, and then probably, I imagine, addresses the team as a whole. Like, you don't let these things just linger, you know what I mean? Um, And Franklin, from what we've seen, is, is kind of a private guy with things, like, doesn't talk about injuries, doesn't talk about discipline. A lot of people were bringing up that, you know, several of these players were disciplined throughout this year. Uh, Yitor was not there over the summer for, you know, violation of team rules. Uh, Damien missed the Idaho game. Micah was disciplined one game for violation of team rules. Like, people are trying to, like, infer so many things. We have no idea what those are. Like, zero idea. Um, But, that being said, like, players started tweeting and they started you know putting their thoughts out there um and like some are a little bit more detailed than others like the first one i saw was lamont wade said just said lying looking for attention obviously you know what he's talking about but doesn't really address it uh tyler rudolph said come on now y'all believe this nonsense fred hansard i hope y'all don't believe that nonsense rasheed walker it's sad what people would do to knock a brother down god don't like ugly uh devon ellie's nonsense steven gonzalez just tweeted two uh blue Which I, I explained to some of our older Twitter followers, cap means lie. Felt felt pretty proud about that one. Okay. Uh, you, you ever hear people say, like, no cap means I'm not lying? So Never heard it. Okay, but... listen. Stay up with the lingo, Pat. This is what the kids say.
1: I'm an old man, baby. When,
0: when people say no cap, it means no lies. So, like, Steven Gonzalez just tweeted out two blue hats, which means, like, cap. He's lying. Um, this one struck me the most. Uh, oh. In the top, like, two or three. Garrett Taylor, who we've, you know, we've seen to be a very stand-up guy, tweets, I don't speak out often, but not going to sit here while Penn State football is falsely being dragged through the mud by someone who quit on the program. And then Jonathan Sutherland, quote, tweeted that and said, facts. Like, and this is not to say I trust certain guys over others, but, like, Garrett Taylor's a fairly quiet dude. For him to come out and speak on it, that, that spoke to me. Um, Jonathan Sutherland, who went through what he went through this year with the whole, uh, the letter that he was sent for his dreads and, and all of that for him to speak out on it. That was kind of, you know, eye opening for me. Uh, and then like you mentioned, Corey bolds, who is a player, he was at Penn state. He had moved on went to another school. And I think is now at Rutgers said I was at Penn state when Isaiah got on campus. And I promise you the allegations are false looking for money and a headline. Um, and then the last one, Ryan Bates. Did you see Ryan Bates?
1: Yeah, straight up, he went, went off. in.
0: He went off. So he said, "He said this kid absolutely sucks." I was there when he was, and nothing but trouble came from this kid from the jump. He made a name for himself for being a troublemaker. I can assure you that everything that comes out of his mouth is a lie. All caps. This dude stinks. Um, like, and again, I. I really don't want to like sit here and pick a side because like if this actually did happen to the kid like I feel terrible like that would be awful and like this is a this is a common thing in like sexual assault in real life people don't come forward because tons of people say they're lying saying they're doing it for fame like it's a real problem in this world I'm not going to get too deep into that but like that that exists but from a semi-biased view obviously like when that many people are coming out saying these things, it's just like, do I think something happened? Some version of hazing? Some version of like messing around? Yeah, of course. Like, if you don't think that happens in football, you're an idiot. Like, of course that happens. To what extent, man? I have no idea. I really don't. And I hope, I hope it's not as bad as Isaiah is making out to be in this lawsuit.
1: Yeah, it's a good way to put it,
0: you know. Um, so I think, I think that's like. That's most of what I have to say about it. The last thing I'll say, and like, now that we're on video, I'm gonna talk right to you guys. This, this is one thing I would say to the Penn State community. We are in no position to be on a high horse. We are all aware of things that have happened in Penn State's past, including sexual assault. Sandusky's name is involved in this lawsuit. Like, these are serious allegations. For every person who is out on Twitter, replying to every single article, to every single person who's saying Penn State should get the death penalty. Of course this should happen at Penn State. Penn State sucks. For all of you that are going out and typing, uh, the DA dismissed it. Uh, it was investigated. Uh, there was a lie detector. You are part of the reason that people call us a cult, that people say that we are blind. Just shut up. Just let it happen. Does it suck? Yeah, it sucks. Is it Like, tough to sit there and watch people trash your school? Of course. But there are bigger things in life. Stop replying. Just stop tweeting. Stop saying all these things. You are making us look bad. Yeah.
1: We we don't have a ton of moral high ground.
0: Like, it's so bad, man. Right now. And it's like, like the people who are going to sit out there and say, like, oh, of course Penn State would let this happen. They let Sandusky happen. Do you really think you're going to change their minds? Do you really yeah, think your people are reply fucking clowns too? Yeah, but do you think your reply saying, Hey, the DA dismissed it, do you think that guy is gonna reply back like, Oh, thanks for sharing that. I now see your point. No. Yeah, no. Like,
1: that guy listens to Alex Jones and thinks the government's <laughs> turning the frogs gay. All yeah,
0: right? Yes. Like just, <laughs> just don't talk to him. Just don't do it. Just don't do it. Like I love Twitter, but Twitter is a cesspool. Like it's it's a it's a great place, it's a terrible place, and that's why we love it. But like you all going out there being your like keyboard warriors trying to change people's perspective only makes it look worse because again we don't know the facts. Listen, when this lawsuit happens, if it comes out and this judge says, "Hey, none of this is true. We're not we're not, you know, ruling in your favor. We believe this is all made up." Sure. Then like send your tweet of whatever you want. It's still not going to do anything. Like people are still going to believe what they want to believe. But like, I don't know, that bothers the hell out of me. I'm, like there's a lot of people that I follow and that like I like that are out there doing this thing. I unfollowed several people this weekend. Like, I I just you don't make us look good. So please, to all of you that are doing that, just stop. All right, is that enough on the lawsuit? Are we, yeah. are we good there? Okay, I, I think we covered it. So it was gonna be quick. Fifteen minutes later, um, Cotton Bowl. Let's talk about the Cotton Bowl, man. Penn State wins the Cotton Bowl. We watched it together in New York City, out of Penn State bar. There's a ton of fun um drank a couple of Bud lights not many but a couple um many uh penn state won man it was it was a big win a lot of points scored on both sides we're not gonna do a full review here but like what stuck out to you about the cotton Bowl, man
1: uh the offense looked great man the running game looked good Mm -hmm. um you know there was this was a game that i'm very happy we won but also just showcased a lot of holes in the team um kind of a best case scenario that you see these holes they've been exposed hopefully things are gonna be working on next season but we still come out with a W we get a new year six win we finish 11 and two we finish ranked number nine in the country so all good things
0: yeah I mean you got to be happy with it we win 53 to 39 and do you like letting up 40 points no but I do honestly Memphis's offense was better than I give credit for it like they yeah. they looked okay um I, I I liked a lot of things in this game. Um, obviously, we have an interim play caller. Tyler Bowen is calling the plays. Um, I think my prediction was that he was going to dial us something crazy. We didn't quite see that. And um, well, just kept running the ball. <laughs> yeah, and why wouldn't you? We were averaging like 10, 10 yards
1: a carry, something like that. Um, I mean, Journey Brown averaged 12 and a half. Noah Kane 6. Ricky Slade, 11. Like, Pretty damn Nobody good. No reason to stop. Pretty damn good. Uh, Journey had two
0: touchdowns. Noah had two touchdowns. Cliff threw one to Dotson. Um, I mean, it
1: was Devin it Devin Ford just... had a touchdown. Did he? Yeah, one-yard touchdown, baby.
0: Oh, wow, look at that. My screen was not scrolled down enough. Sorry. Devin Ford had a touchdown. Oh, yeah, because then we, I, I literally had a tweet drafted for if Ricky got in. Four for four. The lawn boys do it. Didn't happen, unfortunately. Uh, but Ricky, five for 58. We'll take it. Um, yeah. Jahan Dotson with the receiving touchdown Yeah, uh, Garrett Taylor With the uh, pick six at the end, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Marquise Wilson had an interception Like, yeah, this game is a month ago at this point Obviously we're not going to do a super deep dive on it Um, I think there's two guys for, for a line If we're talking about it I don't have a lamb I, I'm sorry, I don't But if we're going to do a line I think there's two So take your pick Who's your first? Who's your line?
1: I'm going with Micah Parsons, man Yep Uh, I, you know, the other guy's going to get mentioned what a great game he had, but Micah Parsons had 15 tackles, two sacks, the, uh, forced, I don't know if you want to call it a fumble or forced the interception that led to the touchdown, but he couldn't be stopped out there, man. He was an absolute beast. And in a day where the defense struggled to stop this, uh, this Memphis team, he came up big in a lot of spots. Yeah. And even when they scored points, I think Micah Parsons is a big part of the reason that they came away with three instead of seven.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. I think Micah played out of his mind. He was all over the field. And we've, like, I feel like I've said that exact phrase on a couple of different weeks of this podcast, but. I mean, it just shows you how athletic this dude is, how fast he is, how strong he is, and how smart he is, man. He's, yeah. He he
1: diagnoses plays so
0: fast. It's beautiful, man. It is beautiful to see that. Like, he he's one of those guys. Uh, you ever you ever hear the hypothetical like, hey, if you could have like one person's athletic ability for a day, who would it be? Like, obviously, your answer is like LeBron James, like something like that. Mike Parsons is up there, man. Like, I w- I would love to be that fast. That strong, that smart, all in one, he had a great day. Um, I tweeted this out during the national championship. Uh, what a game, by the way. We'll get into that at some point. National championship is amazing. We won't get into it. But
1: Also, if I'm going to have anyone's athletic ability for a day, it's going to be Saquon's over yeah. LeBron any day.
0: Yeah, that's fair. I Actually, that was another hypothetical. Uh, I think, shout out Tony Black, our friend, had that. Uh, is who is more athletic, LeBron it's or Saquon. Saquon. I pick Saquon, but I can. It's a. It's
1: a like He's not. He's faster, not, stronger, and jumps higher. I don't know. We're, yeah, I'm gonna pick Saquon, but it's a fun. <laughs>
0: it's a fun discussion topic. All right. It is, it's, but there's uh, one right answer. Yeah, it's not who's who's more dominant in their sport. It's who's more athletic. It's the quads. Um, but Micah, hell, Micah's up there at this point. Um, what was I saying? Oh, national championship game. Um, I tweeted out, like, I can see, as much as I wanted Micah to win the Butkus Award, I can see why Isaiah Simmons won it for Clemson. He had a hell of a game, but listen to me. Micah Parsons will run away with that award next year. Like, I just, I don't see how it's possible that he doesn't. He's that fucking good. Um, that said, my my line is easy It's journey Brown. Um, I think I think those are the two guys, like... And they both got uh, recognized by the all-bowl team. I don't know who selects that, but they pick the best performers from the bowl games. Both Journey and Micah were selected to that. Journey Brown, 16 carries, 202 yards, two touchdowns. And I mean, the, the most impressive thing is just grown man football. I don't know if it was, was it his first touchdown or second, but stiff-arming dudes into like the seventh ring of hell. It was beautiful. Like, absolutely beautiful. And I I say this a lot on this podcast. I actually looked to find if I could find the tweet where I said, like, I didn't think Journey was that great. I don't think it was a tweet. I think it was probably on one of our episodes. I'm going to continually apologize to Journey Brown for the rest of my life. Like, I dismissed him so early as, like, yeah, he'll be a nice piece. He'll be a change of pace. This dude is really good. Like, he is a bona fide running back, and I cannot wait to
1: see what he does next year. Oh, I mean... He was, ugh. Like, uh, I got no words for what Journey Brown did in this game, man.
0: Seriously. I mean, he was his, a man. His profile coming into college, I, I think he was probably, I think he was a three-star recruit. Um, he's from Pennsylvania. I'll say Meadville. I don't know if that's right. But his profile was like, he was a superstar track star. He was like 110 meter, 110 meters, uh, hurdles. I state think champ. State champ. 100 meter state champ. Super, super fast. He had one game in high school where he scored like 10 touchdowns and ran. He ran for like
1: 700 yards. Yeah, it was
0: insane. Absolutely insane. But that was like his profile. It's like he's a speedster. He can do all these cool things. And like coming in, you were like, oh, maybe he'll be a punt returner or a kick returner. Or maybe he'll be like a special teams ace. So like naturally, I just kind of figured it'd be like, all right, it's Ricky Slade. We got a couple of these hot freshmen coming in. And then Journey will do like anything. And that'll be a bonus. And then he became our number one running back and dominated. Like, I know, again, I know that's a bit biased, but, like, he was really good this year. Really good.
1: Yeah. Um, he, I'm, I'm very excited to see what he does.
0: Yeah. And we have some questions about the rotation that we'll get into. Um, pro Football Focus, I tweeted this out yesterday. Um, I'm, I'm indifferent on Pro Football Focus. Do you follow them at all? Not that much. Yeah, they're uh, they're big like they're big into analytics. So they give grades to every player, and they like they grade their top players. And a lot of times, like the the technical highest graded isn't the best player. It's like I can't get bought into all of it. But they did a list of their top returning running backs, top twenty five for next year, and uh, the list of Journey Brown at nineteen, which in my opinion is very low. Um, but it's kind of cool in general as. Part of a four running back rotation, like to be listed at all, I guess. Yeah. Um, but but what, was, what was interesting is they listed some of his numbers about uh, ru- running up the middle. Um, in between the guards, he was averaging 10.1 yards per carry, seven and a half yards after contact, and just about a half a broken tackle on 37 attempts between the guards. Listen, if you want to talk about ground and
1: pound football, during Brown's your man. Like,
0: that's yeah, damn good. And that's from a guy whose
1: thing is supposed to be how fast he is. Exactly, so exactly. He's doing that up the middle.
0: Yeah, and but then he shows you like like the one in the Cotton Bowl where he he runs outside and stiff arms this dude. Like he's got that extra burst too. He's got he's got a little bit of everything, man. And I'm I'm excited to see how the rotation plays out because obviously we know how talented Noah Kane is. We know Devin Ford can be a piece. We know Ricky Slade can be a piece. We have two four stars coming in. We'll get to this Twitter question in a little bit. Um but well, cool to see for Journey, man. So he's my lion. Um, all in all, for me, again, Cotton Bowl, not great to let up 40 points. I, I don't I don't know. I'm not gonna put blame anywhere in particular there. Secondary is getting beat a little bit. It it happens. Like it is what it is. This is this is a positive podcast. This is the end of the year. We're being happy. Shout out to Micah and Journey. You guys are our final lions of the year. Um Yeah, season look back. So what did we finish? 11 wins, three of the last four years mentioned. Um, I don't have much else to say, man. Like, all in all, it's it's a solid season.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a season you have to be happy with considering what the expectations were. Yeah. Clearly outperformed expectations. Like, the only thing you could be disappointed in was at one point we thought we could go to the college football playoffs. Yeah. Ranked as high as four. And we're like, listen, even if I was even saying, like, even if we lose to Ohio State, if it's close, if that's the only loss, like that should still be able to get us in. Yep.
0: That's a Minnesota game.
1: Yeah. But Eleven and two. It's it's gotta got be happy with it. With a first year starting quarterback. True. Very true. And with with a team that was flawed. I mean, we had a lot of trouble stopping the pass this season. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a lot of trouble I had with you know consistent receiving options. So, I mean, the, the, there are things we're going to have to work on for next season, and I think we've already done a, a good job addressing them and coaching hires. But there's definitely uh, there's there's you got to be had. There's room for improvement on an eleven and two team. Yeah, you know, no one looked at this team and said, "Wow, this is the ceiling. Like this is as good as it's getting." Well, so you got to like that. I
0: think there's so much room for improvement, which is crazy. Like eleven and two, and you're like, "Oh my god, there's so many things we can get better at," which is wild. Like, if you're again, we've said this many times, if you're someone who doesn't like James Franklin as your coach and doesn't think this program is a good spot, you're an idiot. Um, all right, choose your own adventure time. Do we pivot to Twitter questions right now because a lot of them are relevant to what we're talking about, or do we keep going through some of the topics?
1: TQs. Let's go. You know what? Is. audible
0: audible we're going to the tqs this uh this video is brought to you by sierra nevada no it's not i'm just having a beer all right twitter questions um because we talk about the growth of this team and where can we go we're going to start Um cj scalzetti we actually oh shit we have a voicemail from sween's uh,
1: it's the return of sween's i'm recording
0: my screen so i can't get out of this thing, like I'm in a window. Like I'll try to get on my phone. Too. We'll figure it out. We'll get to there in a minute. Um, but let's start with C.J. Scalzetti, C.J. Goon, our guy. Um, speaking about where this team is and where can we go, he says, Honest feeling, watching LSU Clemson, how far away do you think we are from that level? So let me start with this, Pat. Did you watch the National Championship game?
1: I was at work, so no.
0: Dude, what kind of college football fan are you?
1: One who has a job. <laughs>
0: Very <laughs> Very fair, very fair. Um, I did watch it. It was an incredible game. Uh, I'll say this, uh, for those that have listened to us for a while, you know that I used to live out in L.A. with Pat. I have since moved back to New York. Watching that game on East Coast time was awful. I didn't go to bed till like, 1 in the morning. Like, this is what you people do? Like, West Coast, it starts at, what, like, 5 p.m.? You're done by, like, 9. You have a good night. Unreal. Um... But it was a great game. It was, it was an incredible game. Clemson came out firing, got an early lead, and then Joe Burrow started doing Joe Burrow things. And that LSU offense, Jamar Chase, who I am in love with as a wide receiver, started doing his thing. It was an incredible game. Um, what are your feelings, though, as far as, like, even college football playoff in general, watching some of those games? Like, how far away do you think we are from them?
1: I don't think, I don't think we're that far. Uh, especially in consider, I was not impressed by like the defense played by either team in that game. Um, I think Penn state probably has a better defense. I don't know. That might be a little bold, but Penn state might have a better defense than either of those teams that were in that game. Um, especially if we're able to get the secondary working a little bit better. Um, I it's the offense that, you know, consistency on offense that I think is where we lack against really elite teams where it's they get the ball and you just like, Oh, it's probably going in the end zone. Now there's, there's a good chance that this is just going to be a 14 play, you know, six minute drive that ends in seven points. And that hasn't been, haven't been able to do that against competition, like a Clemson, like an LSU. That's where it hasn't been like we can do that against teams that we're supposed to do it against, yeah. but you know, you see Ohio state come out and put together four drives in the first half that each take five minutes and, and in touchdowns against us. That's something Penn state really hasn't done on a high level, except maybe in the first three quarters of the Michigan game.
0: Sure. And that's fair. Um, and I actually really like that CJ asked this question because I was I was kind of thinking it throughout that game as I'm watching. But I think we're
1: close. Final answer. Yeah,
0: no, I'm I'm good with that. Um, my answer is I go back and forth, man. I really do. Um, there were moments of that game where I was watching this, and I think it's almost a little bit unfair to. to Compare to LSU because I think they're one of the best teams we've seen in college football in a very long time. You don't um, see a
1: lot of Joe Burrows. You don't see a lot of Trevor Lawrence's.
0: Yeah, yeah, but even but LSU in general, yeah. with the receiving core that they've had, with the defense, like you said, their defense wasn't great. They've got five six guys that are going to be NFL starters next year. Like we don't have that sort of depth yet, which worries me. You know what I mean? Like, like literally LSU, the all of these guys that declared um their corner uh Fulton, their their safety delpit, uh their lineman Chason. They they've they've got probably I think it's five five guys on their starting defense that are going to the NFL, they're gonna get drafted round one or round two. That's like the Alabama factories that we've seen over the last couple of years. And like that's tough to compete with, man. Like we saw Clifford struggle against Minnesota. We saw like we saw our offense struggle against like teams that we should blow out and like that's not me blaming anyone that's just hey we're young we don't have six nfl starters on our team you know what i mean um so like i was in that negative but then i was also in the hey clemson just stopped lsu twice pinned them deep in their five and they couldn't do anything we could do that easily we could do that and i see trevor lawrence make a couple throws i'm like cliff could do that of course he could. Hamler's getting open. KJ's there. John Dotson's over there. Journey's running all over these guys. So, like, my, my kind of reaction to that was very roller coaster. Um, I think a lot of it does fall on Cliff. And, and we said this last year throughout the season. We live and die on that quarterback play. Like, we know at this point, we know at this point we've got a good running back stable. We know we've got a great tight end. We know our wide receivers are going to be a little bit shaky. We know our offensive line is going to be a little bit inconsistent. That being said, the biggest problem in this national championship game, to me, Trevor Lawrence was just missing. Like, once he got out of his rhythm, once he started overthrowing dudes, they didn't have a chance. Because early on, they looked good. And Clemson was like, oh, shit, they're actually going to do this. They're going to take down the mighty LSU. So I think a lot of it relies on Cliff. I think our defense can be there. I think our secondary is probably the biggest question mark, like you mentioned. Like, our run defense this past year was incredible, and I honestly think it has a chance to be better next year as our linebacker core takes the next step, as our defensive line replaces Etor, of course, but has some really talented people. I think it comes down to our secondary. So, like, I mean, I think the stats are there. They, there's a new graphic every day. We're one of six teams to be ranked in the top ten for however many years. or one of five teams to do this for this many. You, you've seen all those that account tweets out so like yeah i think we're close i think we're close i just think we need that like i i feel like we don't have that swagger yet you know what i mean i don't feel like we have that like aura of confidence that like yeah we can go into columbus and beat the shit out of ohio state or we can go into ann arbor and beat the shit out of michigan like i'm still nervous for those games
1: so like i'll be honest i'm still surprised that like michigan gets for better better recruiting classes than us ever hmm yeah, because I, if you look at like our two programs, ours is in better shape.
0: Oh, a hundred percent, hundred percent. And like that—that's what I mean. Is like I don't, I don't, and I don't know what solves this, but like I think it's more of the, not mentality, because like I think our team has the right mentality. Like, hey, one and know we we're gonna go do our jobs. Like, I think they're bought in, but it's still there's still like this, this like stink around the program, like. We're a borderline. We're a borderline top ten team. We're a borderline top five team. Like when we were ranked four in the college football playoffs, so many people were like, eh, that's a joke. They'll be out next week. Like, no, it's and like everyone talks shit about everyone, granted. But it's like I don't know. Right. (laughs) I was was gonna gloss over that fact. (laughs) Just just to say. But you know what I mean? Like that that's sort of where I see us is like, I think we're talented enough. I think honestly, if we played Clemson, I think I think I think it would open up as like them being like a eleven point favorite, but I think we'd have a chance to keep that game very close. If we played LSU this year, I don't know, they're amazing. But like I I think we're very borderline. I, I think
1: Joe Burrow could throw like fourteen touchdowns against us. Oh God,
0: dude, dude, and honestly, like in this championship game, it was like the first two drives they didn't do anything, and then he opened up like that fifty yard bomb to Jamar Chase, and I was like, all right, it's over. Like it was gorgeous, perfectly placed, perfect route, perfect everything. It's like. We need to make that jump. And yeah, I, I hope it's I hope it's this year. I really do. Like I think we've I think we're at a point where yeah, we lost a few guys, but we've got we've got a lot of guys returning too. So
1: very excited to see how Cliff progresses. Yeah. How you know, who opens up in terms of wide receiver core. Yep. What new offensive coordinator brings.
0: There's so many question marks. So let's let's try to play a voicemail right now from Sween's So we're gonna see if this works
1: up, fellas. Sweens getting back on the horn.
0: Wishing you guys a happy new year, 2020. It's going to be a good year. Uh, I just got back from my honeymoon, so I'm feeling nice and rested and ready for the new year. Um, I'm sure you're going to get into it down the road, Combine coming up, but any early predictions on what KJ Hamler and YGM are going to run in their 40s, maybe some other metrics they might put up? Also... How do you think they're going to set up the, the defense and specifically maybe the linebacking core next year in terms of where they might move around Micah and some of the other stuff they're going to do to utilize the talent they have and, and make it a really, hopefully, scary defense in 2020? Going to have a ton of time to talk about it, obviously, but just starting to get some thoughts flowing. So I'll be in touch and uh, can't wait to listen. See you. Well, First of all, Sweeney's. Honeymoon, congrats, man. Congratulations. Hope the wedding was amazing. I'm a little upset we didn't get invited, but that's fine. Uh, honeymoon, I'm sure, was incredible. Uh, a lot of We're questions there.
1: Invite entertainment, do a live podcast. I could have done a tight five. I'm just yeah.
0: do you guys know Pat's a stand-up comedian? He's very funny. I've seen some of his sets. Check him out. way,
1: uh, um. oh, I love how I was leaning in to listen, and then right. halfway through it was like I have headphones on. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's funny because I saw you leaning in and I was like, oh shit, I wish I could turn it up louder. That's really funny. It wasn't going to matter. Uh, if the audio is bad on that, I'll pump it in in post. That's what they say in the biz. Pump it in in post. Um, a lot of questions there. Uh, I think his first one was about uh, KJ and Yuter, right? Yeah. I have no
1: idea what Yuter usually runs in terms of a 40, but I could see him in like the 4.6 range. 4.6.5-ish. Uh, yeah, I, I think he um, probably runs a little bit quicker than that. Ytor's
0: like, he's very, I haven't looked up their Penn State testing numbers, so I genuinely don't know. I think y- Ytor could be like that sneaky fast guy, where like he doesn't look like he is. He plays quick, he plays aggressive, but like, you look at him and you're like, he's not that fast. But it wouldn't surprise me if he's like a four-five-nine guy. Um, okay. Which I, again, I don't, honestly, for comparison, I don't even know what like edge rusher's are supposed to run, to be honest. Like, I know what running backs are supposed to run, I know what wide receivers are supposed to run. I don't know how much it matters for an edge rusher. Like,
1: does it? People like to see the, those numbers on the edge rushers. Yeah? Yeah.
0: Okay. Um, KJ, on the other hand, I think...
1: Uh, KJ's definitely running a sub 4-4. Four, four.
0: Oh, easily. I, I was going to say he's going to be borderline sub 4-3. Like sub 4-3? Ooh, he, I was going in the threes, but... His, he had a quote, I think it was earlier this year, maybe before this season, he said, by the time I leave here, I'm going to be running a 4 2 five. That was, like, what he wanted to project. He has been hand-clocked at Penn State. I know, because I've, I've read up on, on this, uh, at, like, a four two eight, But, again, that's – you never know with, like, actual oh, – at your, at your own school, your own guys clock in. It would not shock me if he goes 4-3 flat or, like, a four two nine. Like, that would not shock me at all. Um, I think, personally, this year, the wide receiver class is incredibly deep, and there are a lot of speedsters. Like Henry Ruggs from Alabama is unreal. Like they're talking about him possibly breaking the record. Um, John Ross had it a couple of years ago. I think it was four two two, four two three. He beat uh, he beat who was it? Chris Johnson, I think, uh, was the old Chris Johnson, remember Titans running back? Yeah,
1: um, I thought Deion Sanders had the record.
0: I think it was Chris Johnson. I think he had like a four two four. It was Deion unofficial. Official. Maybe unofficial. Um, I want to say Chris Johnson had it, and if I'm wrong, someone correct me, but I think he had, like, a 4 2 What did Troy Apke run? Oh, he was like, uh, he could run, run. Yeah. <laughs> um, I forget what his actual time was, but it was real. It was damn good. Um, and that's why I have some confidence in KJ, too, because, like, the way we've seen our guys run from Dwight Galt's strength and conditioning, like, they always test incredibly well. We know he's a speedster. Like, you've seen him break off these unbelievable runs in-game. Now he has months to prepare for a single forty-yard dash. Would not surprise him if he breaks a four-three. Like, and I know that's biased. I know that's like aggressive. That's what I'm going for, man. I want to see that four-four-three-five.
1: Yeah, I'm saying KJ does better than that.
0: Wait, 3 four-three-five? Yeah. Seriously? Yeah. I don't remember that. Holy shit! Four-three-five. I'm googling it right yeah. now just because I don't believe um, you. I I just googled uh, it. I mean, I trust you, but I want to make sure. <laughs> yeah, four three five. You are correct. Yeah, I'm saying KJ beats that. Oh, easily. Um, um, like Troy, getting, worst Troy, case scenario. Troy, I love you. KJ's gonna demolish you. I mean, Saquon ran uh, like a four four, right? And we were all right. like, "Oh, damn!" Because like people thought he was gonna go in the four threes. Because his, I remember his Penn State time was like a four three three. Um, here, no there. I'm looking at an article from November of 2018. So. Obviously, is a while ago, but Etor is at a four-five-two. Um, so yeah, I think I, I don't personally I don't care as much for Etor on the forty. I think he's going to dominate drills. I think people are going to fall in love with his character, his personality, um, and he has so like I feel like he still has so much untapped potential. So I'm really excited for Etor. I think KJ. It's an incredibly deep wide receiver class, um, but I think he's going to kill it, man. I think he's going to absolutely kill it.
1: Yeah, he's going to impress people at the combine for sure with that speed.
0: Yeah, I mean the speed—the speed will absolutely impress. It's going to come down to the actual receiver drills. We know he can run routes like crazy. We know he can create separation. There's been a couple drops here and there. If he—if he nails his like catching drills, guy's a first rounder, borderline borderline first rounder, guaranteed second rounder. Um, that's where the mocks have him at least right now. Um, all right, let's get into some more Twitter. You know what? No, we're gonna pivot, the, the guys. We're agile. We're going topics to Twitter questions, topics to Twitter questions, and a voicemail mixed in. We're amazing. Um, speaking of KJ Hamler, that was one of our other topics. KJ has declared for the NFL draft. Obviously, we're talking about what he's gonna run. Um, you called it. I was, I was a little, I was a little optimistic that maybe he was still coming back. You, you were correct a couple weeks back. Uh, what was your initial reaction when the when the tweet came out that he was actually going?
1: Well, so I I kind of changed to your your tune a little bit because I thought he was just gonna announce it after the game. I was right. like, okay, he's waiting until after the game, he's obviously going. But then he was like, Yeah, I still have to talk to Coach. I was like, Oh, wait a minute. The decision hasn't been made. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Ho-ho-ho. Yeah. He could be staying. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, if he didn't announce it right after the game, I think he's staying, man. I started talking myself in and it was like, man, this receiver class is deep, you know, it looks pretty good next year. Yep. Uh, yeah. And then when he finally went, I was super bummed, but not Yeah, not that shocked.
0: Yeah, it sucked. I was uh so I was in Philly for uh one of my best friend's birthdays, shout out Lee Slosberg. Uh it was New Year's Eve when he tweeted it, I'm pretty sure. Um, and uh our other friend Ryan Liver, shout out. Uh he got the notica- notification on his phone. My phone was charging other side of the room, so I like jumped up. I was like, Oh ah, shit everyone's like, Do you really have to tweet that quick? I was like, listen, I have a draft saved. I've been been waiting for this for weeks, okay? Uh, and then I tweeted and had a typo, so I had to delete Responsibility it. Responsibility to the people. Okay? That's what I'm saying, man. Um, I thought it was a pretty good tweet. There's the little girl who's like crying but trying to stay tough, and there's me being told that kid just going pro, and there's nothing I can do about it. Um Yeah, it sucks, man. As a Penn State fan, it sucks. Like, of course you want to see him back in the blue and white for one more year, for all the pieces that we talked about that are coming together that could be for next year. But do I get it? Of course, like. He's like I said. He's and you've mentioned this many times in the past. If you are going to declare early, you should be going round one or round two. He has consistently, consistently gotten round two grades, and now starting to get round one. Like stick to football. Uh, Bleacher Reports, uh, football podcast. Matt Miller, Connor Rogers, shout out those guys. Um, their last mock, they had him going number twenty four overall to the New Orleans Saints in round one to line up opposite Michael that. Thomas, which would be so fucking cool. Like, it's it's hard to blame a guy. Like, he's going to go make millions of dollars, fulfill a lifelong dream. And again, this is not a knock, but KJ's a smaller dude, man. That one more year of wear and tear in college for what? Like, that's it. So, very excited for KJ, um, but obviously leaves a hole. Uh, so let's get into a Twitter question around that. Um... It's not CJ. It's someone else asked about wide receivers. Uh, oh, here we go. Jack Durbin. Uh, Jack Durbin, I think, is new to Twitter. Followed us on Instagram for a while. He used to DM me on Instagram. Also, I'm pretty sure that's the name of the principal from AP Bio. Is it? I watched that show for, like, the first season. I haven't kept up on it. Very good show, actually. I really enjoyed I just, it. I to like that. Uh, Jack Durbin. Uh, his Twitter is at, at ChevyCedurbin. Get it? Suburban? Very funny. (laughs) He says, what do you guys think about Slade turning into a slot receiver? We've heard this many times before. Shout out to, I don't remember who originally brought that up, Sweens or Shane or someone. Um, He said, I know it's been talked about before, but looking at the two positions right now, running back could be as many as six deep if everyone's healthy and wide receiver is seriously weak for us. And then I also got another DM from Eric his Twitter name is at Eric five two one four two five nine eight. It's a lot of numbers. Uh, he says, "Hey guys, really enjoy the pod. Eric, thanks for listening, man." Uh, says on a scale of one to ten, how worried are you about the receivers? So let's let's just jump into it. KJ is gone. Receiver is obviously concerned. Where's let's start with Eric's question one to ten. What's your worry level? Your panic. So level?
1: I, w- I want to apologize to Jack Durbin first because the character from AP Bio is named Ralph Durbin. Oh, sorry, Jack. Do you uh, want to
0: take a time out? Do you want to go through what you just said?
1: I'll take a lap. <laughs> uh, Glenn Howardson's character is named Jack. That's-
0: okay, yeah, I, he's incredible in that show. I love, uh, I love him. Dennis, uh, but Dennis. I would Reynolds.
1: say how worried at scale one to ten, I am. A five.
0: Okay, I like that, because I, I, I responded to Eric, and I said I'm probably about a five or six, so we're aligned.
1: Yeah, I think Jahan's going to have a big season. Uh, he's shown flashes of greatness, mm-hmm. and he's had a few games where he was, he had more receptions, more yards than KJ. I think being sort of on the field at the same time as KJ, he just got overshadowed sometimes, and between him and having Friar youth on the field at the same time, those are two really great options. So I don't, you know, you got two solid options like that in the field. I don't think it's gonna ever going to be like bad news, but I am concerned about depth for sure.
0: Yeah, and I think that's exactly right. So I think there's a couple things to think about here. Obviously, we know we have a strength at tight end. We know we have a strength at running back. You bring in a brand-new offensive coordinator who has obviously success at Minnesota, has had success in his past. You hope that he is able to assess the strengths, assess the weaknesses, and create a game plan around that. Right? Like, we all know wide receiver's not
1: deep. A new wide receiver's coach.
0: Yes. Yes. And we will get to coaching changes in just a minute. Um, But you hope that, like, this guy's a veteran OC. He's going to look at that and say, okay, I'm not as deep in wide receiver as maybe I was at Minnesota when I had a couple of NFLers. I'm going to create my game plan to that. Um, And it is tough, man. Like, going back to the first question of how close are we to the LSUs and Clemsons, you look at both of those offenses. Both of those offenses had two to three bona fide wide receivers on the field. Like, you look at LSU, Justin Jefferson just declared for the draft. Jamar Chase, who is the best player on the field, in my opinion, is a true sophomore, so can't declare. And then they had a couple other, like, uh, reliable guys. And then you look over at Clemson, uh, T. Higgins, draft. Justin Ross, sophomore, can't go. But, like, they have multiple guys who are incredible. And um, shout-out Tony Black again. He tweeted, like, we haven't really had that since the Godwin-Hamilton days. You know, like... KJ Dotson was probably as close as we've come recently. So, like, am I worried? Yes, because there's not any, like, proven commodities. But also, like, I'm generally an optimist. You guys should know that by now from listening to this. Um, I think Jahan's going to blossom. Like, he, he showed some real promises here, and I think he's going to do very well. Everyone starts talking about the, uh, the true freshmen that are coming in. you to remember, we brought in two guys in last year's class. John Dunmore from Florida came in as a four-star. He redshirted this year. I hope he's ready to be a very strong piece of this offense. Like, he was a highly touted wide receiver. So, yeah, I hope he is a piece of it. And then, yeah, of course, you bump down to the true freshman. Um, you look at, you know, Keandre Lambert, very highly recruited. Parker Washington, him. very highly recruited. Um, Jaden Dotton, very highly recruited. Norval? Norval Black, Juco transfer. Malik May, I don't know how to say his last name. I'm sorry, Malik. Um, you brought in five wide receivers in this class for a reason. You know it's you know it's a gap. Um, and don't forget, you still have guys like Mac Hippenhammer and Cam Sullivan Brown. Have they been shining stars? No. Could they possibly transfer to something else? Sure. But like Mac Hippenhammer has shown that he can be a suitable wide receiver at times. Am I saying he like found some flashes? Am I saying he's going to transform our offense? No. But like, I don't know. I'm I'm not like, to the question from Eric, one to ten. I'm not here sit, sitting here like, it's panic time, like, hit the panic button. Is it going to be a weakness? Sure. Do I think some guys are going to really, like, blossom from this? Yeah.
1: I would say, is it going to be weakness? Maybe.
0: I like that. I like that. Yeah. And obviously, we would love to have Justin Shorter. Wish he would have stayed, but looks like it's all but ink dry on the paper that he'll be a Florida Gator. Um, yeah, it sucks, but it is what it is. I love Jahan Dotson. I very promising for John Dunmore, and then we're gonna need some guys to step up. And honestly, that's that's it. Like you, you can't you can't make something out of nothing. Like it's it, you can't just magically produce wide receivers. Some people have mentioned like, hey, maybe we get someone in on the transfer portal. That would be great. I would Can love just that. Talk of uh, what's
1: his name from Wisconsin.
0: Uh oh yeah, the guy that had the return in the the Rose Bowl. He like had a kick return. Crookshank no.
1: I forget his name.
0: There's a guy from Wisconsin. There's uh, Tariq Black from Michigan who's in the portal. Um, Solomon Enos, who is Curtis Enos' son, uh, was apparently leaving Arizona, I want to say. There's there's some receivers out there. Would it be great if we get one of them in? Sure. But, like, I don't know. I'm, I'm not super bought in yet to the, like, build your team through the transfer portal.
1: Yeah, I mean, the thing is, guys in the transfer portal, uh, except for, you know one or two quarterbacks a season are going to be guys who weren't playing at their school. (laughs) Like no one's going to be the best receiver in the country. And like, you know what though? I think it could be better. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Most of them are going to be role players. Like, like, uh, I mean, we got Weston
0: Carr. He didn't really see the field. Like I, I'm sure he's a great dude. Didn't
1: really Really? happen. You can transfer in people who have potential. Yes, Potential. Like Tariq
0: Black. Black was a great receiver for Michigan. I don't know why he's leaving. I don't know if he's confirmed to be leaving, but he's in the portal. He would be a great addition. But like, I don't know. Some people, some people are on the this is the way college football is and this is new recruiting. Like you have to be aggressive in the transfer portal. And I get that. I see it. Like I'm not fully there yet. Like for me, anything we get in the transfer portal is like a nice bonus. But I'm not if I'm a if I'm a head coach or an offensive coordinator, I'm not sitting there saying like all right, I need to build my team through this. Like, you know what I mean? Agreed. Um, all right, so that's most of the Twitter questions. Let's get one more from CJ. says, uh, how do you think as of now the running back rotation will work? Uh, then he has a couple others. Let's start there. How do you think the running back rotation will work? Uh, well, I actually, I do kind
1: of want to see Ricky Slade transfer to a slot receiver.
0: Oh, yeah, we didn't answer that question.
1: My bad. Uh, I think he's quick. I think he's effective when we pass the ball to him. Um, and we just have so much depth at running back and not that much depth at wide receiver. I think it would be a great thing. I, I'd rather see Ricky Slade as a slot receiver on the field consistently than our third running back.
0: Yeah. No, and the, this, I mean, scary is maybe not the right word, but like the, the interesting part is, again, you just brought in two four stars in Kaziah Holmes and Kevon Lee there's, I mean, there's already talk like, because I, Holmes, is an early enrollee. Like, there was an article that uh, I think Jay Ron Snyder said he's going to be a household name, which, of course, is a coach pumping up his player. That's what you're supposed to say. But, like, if these kids come in with the same kind of swagger that, you know, Noah Kane and Devin Ford came in with, now you got six dudes in that room who can play, you know? So, my answer to this, and I think I dm Jack back on this, was like, I don't know if we see a formal position change. Like, I don't think you see it on the roster of, Ricky Slade, wide receiver. I think he's going to be a running back because that's, like, I don't know, that's who he is, and he, he can run the ball. We've seen that. But do I think you see a lot of packages with him lined up in the slot? Yeah, probably. Like, if you're, again, if you're Kirk Sharaka why wouldn't you? Like, you're looking at your strengths, your weaknesses, where you have depth, where you don't. Yeah, he's been very effective as a pass catcher. Why not?
1: Yeah, I'm, I think it's a great idea.
0: Yeah, so... That being said, um, rotation-wise, what do you think for the rotation? We got at least at least four guys in the running back, possibly six guys. Um, and, again, if you're a head coach or offensive coordinator or a running back coach, like, this is the point where you need to really sit there and go, like, okay, should we burn these red shirts? It's Kind of dumb. Um, yeah, I yeah. got to imagine someone's catching a red shirt. At least one of the two in Kaziah Holmes and, and Kevon Lee. Like, we saw Noah and Devin both burn them this year, which we didn't expect one of those guys is absolutely redshirting, which is again, they can play four games, so that's cool. They'll get some playing time,
1: but at least one of them has to be redshirting. Um yeah, I mean I think about Journey the Brown's brother. gotta be your number one. Uh he's shown at the season and then Noah Kane, I think is a clear number two to me.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's funny because we spent so much time, um, I'd say like the first five weeks of the season trying to figure out what it was gonna look like. And now it feels like it's clear as day. Like it's journey and i would even say journey as one noah as one a like they are your thunder lightning you know like and as much as i talked about journey running through the guards earlier like he is your speedier flashier guy where noah is your hammer um which we saw in was the iowa game where he just yards after yards after yards like especially at the end of the game and his defense is
1: tired he's a tough guy to bring down
0: hell yeah so the way i see it working next year and of course we have months and months and months to figure this out um I think it's Journey and Noah as your 1 and 1A. One and then Devin Ford is kind of a nice mix of both, That I think he's your, like, relief back. Like, if someone's injured, if someone's tired, if someone needs a break, he's in there, and he can do either. Like, I don't think you have to change the game plan much for him. Um, and, of course, that leaves Ricky, and, yeah, I think you see him line up in the slot more. I see. I think you see him when he's Yeah, in I think Ricky he's and Devin are season. kind
1: of on equal footing.
0: Yeah, that's probably fair. Maybe, if anything, I
1: would put Ricky ahead of Devin Ford.
0: Yeah, experience. Uh, but again, I kind of just want
1: to see him in the slot.
0: Yeah, and I think like, again, I've been a big Devin Ford fan since the early days. Like, kid is talented, and, and he will have his time <laughs> to shine too. So like, it's... It, I mean, he, it's, was, he was a true
1: freshman this year.
0: Yeah. It's a good problem to have, but it's a problem at the same time. Like, um, I, th- I think what happened is, I think we ran into like a log jam of guys who are good that are all still having eligibility. Like, Sure, Miles sat behind Saquon, and then he went. And then Miles had a good year, and then he went. Like, the plan was almost like, all right, it's going to be Ricky for a year or two, and then the freshman, and then the freshman. Now it's like, oh, wait, wait, Journey's going to be the guy? And the freshman's that good? And they both have to play, and neither of them can go to the NFL yet? Like, you run into a little bit of a backlog there. So, good problem to have. I imagine our 2021 class will have one running back, if any. Um, I mean, of course, you're always going to take a running back, and... We're starting to build a reputation as a school that produces running backs. I'm sure we'll get a good one. Um, we should. I cannot see them taking two again. That would be absurd. Um, all right, so that's from CJ. I think we're pretty aligned on the running back rotation. But again, I I mean, there's so many months you never know what's going to happen. So uh, let's pivot now. We have some more questions that we'll get to, but let's go to coaching changes, man. Um, all of this that we're talking about for the team and the future and how it's going to work out, a lot of it, Depends on these coaches. Uh, so we already talked about Kirk Charaka, new OC. He's uh, last episode. If you guys didn't check it out, talked all about him in the last one. Um, the next one, bit of a surprise here. Matt Limegrover, offensive lineman, is out. Pat Calicchio, our offensive line aficionado.
1: How do you feel, man? I would say aficionado, but definitely offensive line critic.
0: Same, same. <laughs> uh, what do you think, man? We, we talked about this, um, I don't know, probably right after the end of the regular season, before bowl season, and I remember this conversation. You and I were talking, and I said, Ronnie and Lime Grover have to go. And you said, there's no way you fire them after an 11 and, or a 10-2 and two season. And I remember I, sa- I said, you are right. I just wish there was a way it could happen. And again, not an attack on any individual people, but for the program, I thought it needed to happen. Ricky Ronnie... We saw the soft exit of, hey, you're Old Dominion's coach. I did not see this coming, that Matt Lyman Ugh. was going to get fired.
1: What was your, the uh, offensive line was better this season. Better, I better, but... I but mean, it was, I mean, you saw it in the bowl game for sure. The pass blocking was not good. Mm-hmm. And, and I totally, think that's been a real issue in his tenure. It's just really inconsistent pass blocking.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I think there's been issues with the run too in the past, but like... For me, it was, my, my <clears> biggest worry was that we were better this year, but better than what? Like, better than really bad? Better than just bad? So, like, better meant average. And again,
1: not, trying to not, not good enough to go into the horseshoe and beat Ohio State.
0: Not good enough to match all. up with an LSU defensive line or a Clemson yeah. defensive line in the national championship. So, like, I didn't see a way- I did not see this happening, but I'm very happy that Franklin pulled the trigger because I think it needed to happen. Um, and again, Matt Limegrover, probably a very nice guy. I'm sure he's a great human being. I'm sure he has a great family. Wish you the best of luck. But I think it had to happen because my worry was that we were good enough this year to buy him another year. And then we would be having the same conversation next year. Now, yeah. Limegrover's moved on. Best of luck to him. And we bring in Phil Troutwein. Troutwine. I don't know how you say it.
1: I'm going to go with
0: Troutwine, Phil Troutwine. Um, what do you
1: think, man? What do you know about Phil? I mean, I don't know anything about any offensive line coach, but I think <laughs> this was a home run hire. Home run? Okay? Home, home run, run hire from Boston College. Hell yes. Um, I mean, and it's actually, again, like, it wasn't like when names of offensive line coaches were coming up. I was like, you know who we need. <laughs> <laughs> we need that guy. I've heard so Trout much about him. Line.
0: <laughs> I have like, his trading card.
1: Yeah, as soon happen. as like his name started coming up and like his resume started coming up, I was like, wow, yeah. this sounds like a really good hire. Pretty young guy. Uh was at Boston College. They had nine was it nine all conference uh players under his tenure.
0: Is that right? I didn't see that's that, but that's impressive.
1: Something crazy like that.
0: Yeah. He's uh he's got a good he's got a pretty good resume. And so I think he, that's only two years. So. Yeah, so he, he was only with them for two years. Um he, he was an offensive lineman himself back in the day. Played at LSU. Uh, he was a starter. His, I think, his senior year um, on, I don't know if it was a national championship team or an SEC championship team, but he played played at a played at a pretty good level. Uh, played in the NFL for some years, uh, from two thousand nine to two thousand twelve. Probably also, mostly- that's going to help with
1: recruiting so much. A guy who can come in and be like, hey, I won an SEC championship. I won a national championship. I played in the NFL. That's yeah. Okay. A- the lineman's gonna want to get recruited by, oh, yeah. Like, here you go. Hey, um, you, you did all those things. I want to see, I want to play under guy who did that, who can show me how to do it.
0: Yep, so he was first first team all SEC in 08 as a starter. SEC puts out some good linemen, first team all SEC, uh, SEC championship 06 and 08, and a national championship uh, 07 09. I think 07 he didn't play, I think he, he played in the 09 one. Um, but still, he can sit there and say, Hey. I was an SEC champion. I was a national champion. I was first team SEC. I played in the NFL. Also, I just coached Boston College, who was top 10 in sacks allowed and rushing guards for the past two years.
1: And that's Boston College.
0: It's Boston College, man. Like, and I, I know these stats can always be skewed, but I and, and somebody asked me this, like, oh, is that consistent or is that just last year? I don't know, man. I'll do I'll deep dive at it but... I'll deep dive at some point. But last year, they were number eight in rushing offense. Averaging five yards a carry. Um, pretty good. And again, that speaks to your running backs, of course, but starts at the O-line. And then sacks allowed. This, I think, is where it gets really, really impressive. Um, in uh, 13 games, they have about 13 sacks. It's one good. sack a game, fourth in the country.
1: And Only they play Clemson once a year.
0: Yeah, they do. So that, that, so. Should, that should inflate the average at least... A good percentage um, and yet yeah, but that's the thing like I don't care who you play because again you're Boston college you're not that good so even if you're playing the rest of the ACC team some teams should be able to you know get to your quarterback that to me is impressive um, he's had some really good people on his on his line I think there's been a couple of uh, like you said all ACC guys um, I'm excited man I watched the I watched the video of him. He interviewed with uh, Mitch Gerber, the uh, the in-house uh, guy that interviews Franklin and the players, said all the right things. Um, can I tell you though? I have one red flag. Do you know what the red flag is? I'm I'm a little worried about this. I don't know. He's skinny. Skinny. An offensive line coach. I picture a fat fuck who's like way out of shape over his playing days, doesn't give a shit. Like Bob Wiley from Hard Knocks with, with the Cleveland Browns. Going, I have to imagine. Huh, huh, huh. Isn't and he is like, a defensive line coach though? Yeah, sure. But like that's what I picture when I think of an offensive line coach. Like this this big dude with a gut, like oh, All-American football. Like Obviously it's a bit of a joke, but I was when I saw his picture, I was not expecting that.
1: Yeah, well, I have to imagine he was pretty big when he played. Oh yeah, I looked those up too. He was. <laughs> yeah, so I'm. I'm. If anything, I think this is a kind of guy players are gonna see. Like, hey, he hasn't. He not let himself go. He took care of himself he after the game. The He's probably still getting laid. Yep, the guy. <laughs> I don't to tell me how to live my life.
0: Yeah, yeah. So obviously a joke, not really a red flag, but that did catch me by surprise. Was not expecting that at all. Um, and he did like our tweet I, when I tweeted out. Uh, people well, are saying. I will say, People uh, are wonderful. saying coach Troutwein should come on the no names All game podcast. He liked that. So oh you're baby. Sl- yeah, you're a listener. So shout out Phil.
1: I will say though, I do, uh, I do know, uh, our, one of our former centers, uh, who played, it was the center for Daryl Clark. I forget his last name. His first name is Doug. He was a okay. big dude. And he played it. He's fucking ripped now. Isn't it I'm crazy? Like, like 4% body fat.
0: Isn't that crazy? And a lot yeah. of players do that. Uh, who is the guy on the Browns? Joe Thomas just did it recently. Like, he retired from the game, and a year later, he's like ripped. It's insane. So, yes, of course, very happy. Phil Troutline, Trout Ween, uh, new offensive line coach. Very excited for that. Um, next one, which again, we did not see this coming. Jared Parker, after one year as the wide receivers coach, has moved on to West Virginia as their offensive coordinator. The wide receivers coach spot is open. This will be our fourth wide receivers coach in four. Years went from Josh Gaddis to David Corley, to Jer- Jared Parker. I almost called him Gerard, Jared Parker. To question mark. So thoughts?
1: Yeah, I mean, this is one that you don't love. I thought we had a good answer uh, with Parker. Um, I haven't heard any real buzz about who the next one could be. Um, but you know, with this is it's a position group that needs work, man. Yeah, so I'm hoping we get. You know, one of these hires that I've loved the two hires they've made in Sharaka and Troutline, and I'm hoping we get another one like it.
0: I agree. Um, yeah, I uh, I, I dis- like It hurts because I I liked I liked Parker a lot. Um, obviously, I loved Gaddis. If you know me, you know I'm a huge Josh Gaddis fan. David Corley came in, was put in a bad spot. Uh, he was supposed to be the running back coach, got switched to receivers, wasn't a good fit, and then they bring in Parker, and I'm like, okay, I actually kind of like this guy, I like his vibe, I like what he's doing. And I, I tweeted out, like, the players seem to love him, like, this hurts. And got a couple of tweets, and, like, this is not a knock on any of those people either. Uh, I think it was Lefty Marlins who tweeted at me, which, shout out Lefty, I like you, you're, you're a good person, um, was like, uh, yeah, of course players are supposed to like their coach, like, it's not about that. If it was about that, let's just go hire the nicest guy. I'm like, that's not what I was trying to say. Obviously, it's hard to convey things over Twitter. Like, I think there's a difference between players, like, liking their coach and respecting their coach and, like, actually having a real bond. Like, and, and I tweeted this. What what struck me was in KJ's... What
1: they have with Jawan Sider. Yes, Sean shoulder. Spencer. Yeah. yeah,
0: exactly. Like, you, you can tell the difference. What kind of struck me a little bit was in KJ's draft letter, he said, like, he was thanking everybody in his letter. And he's like thank you to Coach Franklin, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, and thank you to Coach Parker. You know, you've become uh, my biggest mentor and a father figure away from home for me. And, like, that's with one year together. This is KJ's moment. Like, this is his draft letter. He doesn't owe Parker anything to say that. Like, obviously, he felt that. You know what I mean? Like, that That to me showed, like, okay, this is, this is a guy that players really loved and respected. Um, and I get it. You know, somebody else said, I forget who, someone was like, this is... This is par for the course of being a top program. Your assistants are always going to get poached. And I was like, yeah, that's fair too. Like my point was, I liked this guy. I would have liked to see him over the next two to three years blossom this wide receiver core into a really great unit again. Um, So it is what it is. It sucks. Like I wish him best of luck. That's great. He got an offensive coordinator job. Um, I have no idea who we're going to bring in. Um, The only candidates that I've heard, uh, first and foremost, is Bobby Ingram. (laughs) Derek
1: Moy.
0: <laughs> yeah, obviously. Um, Bobby Engram. And we're back. Sorry, a little technical difficulty. Wide receivers coach. Um, yeah, Derek Moy, everyone always brings up. But anytime there's an opening, I always hear Bobby Ingram's name. Obviously a very prolific wide receiver back in the day. Um, he is currently the tight ends coach at the Baltimore Ravens. Was their wide receivers coach for a while. He was their wide receivers coach from 2014 to 2018. 18, and then this past year, they moved him to tight ends. Um, it's hard to obviously see.
1: obviously displeased with the move. Yes. He's coming back to Penn State. Coming to
0: Penn State, returning home, it's going to happen. Um, no, I think he's probably very happy at a Baltimore Ravens team with Lamar Jackson that he gets to coach people who are catching passes from Lamar Jackson. That's my thing. Uh, it's my guess. But what was funny is that someone edited his Wikipedia recently. I promise it was not me. I don't know how to edit Wikipedias. Um, but it said he is currently the wide receivers coach at Penn State University. That shit always cracks me up when anyone edits a Wikipedia because, like, it's so funny that that's, like, something that all of us rely on for information and is totally editable by, like, anyone. So, if you want to believe that, he's coming to be the wide receivers coach, um, and then the only other one I've heard is uh, Michael Johnson. So we have a quarterback on our roster right now, Michael Johnson Jr. His dad was apparently the wide receivers coach at Mississippi State most recently, I believe, under Joe Moorhead. Um, so his name has been thrown around a lot too. If I have any of those facts wrong, sorry, but that's what I read on twitter.com. Um, outside of that, I have no idea, man. I don't keep track of wide receivers coach. Just like you said, like, we don't keep track of O-line coaches. Like, I feel like, Offense coordinator, defense coordinator—you know a couple of names that are floating around. Position coaches, man, I couldn't tell you the difference.
1: Yeah, I'm not—I'm not that guy.
0: So we'll see. Um, I will say, I think it's—it's it's one of those that, like, yeah, would I've loved Parker to stay, of course, but with a brand new OC, this can be, this can be a big hire for him too. Like, obviously Franklin is going to make the hire, but you know, he's sitting there talking with Kirk, trying to figure out who the guy is this can be a very strong offensive regime. Like, you got new OC, new offensive line coach, new wide receivers coach. The pessimistic way to look at that is everything's new and it's going to be difficult to get together. Optimistic way is, hey, we're bringing in like a suicide squad of just bad-ass motherfuckers who are ready to turn this around. So, that's where I stand on uh, coaching. (laughs) Any any other questions, comments, concerns on coaching changes?
1: You know, I'm... Like I said, it's been kind of a shaky group the past couple of years with, like, one star and then just steps down after that. I'm excited for us to, you know, potentially bring somebody in who brings a lot of consistency and a lot of depth to this position.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, A couple other noteworthy coaching changes from around the league, uh, keeping up with our old flames. Joe Moorhead obviously let go at Mississippi State. He is rumored to be the offensive coordinator at Oregon interesting
1: don't love it but
0: interesting like a lot of a lot of people it's funny like we hired kirk and it was like i don't know four or five days later that moorhead was fired i know And pe- like, ah. yeah. everyone's like oh god we could have got him back like i don't see that happening man like if you if you get demoted are you really gonna go back to the place that you were just an oc i feel like that's a bad look like it sucks ah. to it sucks to be being demoted to an oc anyway like, going back to the place that you were before then is almost like uh, like you're walking back, like, knocking on the door with, like, your shoes in your hand. Will you take me back? Like, I don't know. I, I didn't see it happening regardless. So, here nor there. Um, Joe Brady from LSU, who everyone wanted to be the OC, is now the offensive coordinator for the Carolina Panthers under former Penn, Penn Stateer Matt Rule. Uh, yeah. So, are, are we all Panthers fans now? Is that is that the thing? You have to be. Have to um, be. I'll, I'll
1: put it this way: If the Jets trade Jamal Adams, I might become a Panthers fan.
0: <laughs> honestly, that's not a bad idea. I will follow. You I was going to go question. Giants. You know, for Saquon. Uh, can't do it. But, but I'll always be a Saquon fan, but you can't go Giants. Um, I'm honestly, I'm happy for Joe Brady, man. Like that's cool for him. I'm very, I'm also like selfishly happy he didn't become an OC at another college yeah. program. Because, like, listen, he's just out of college. If LSU paid him and kept him, cool. Nothing we could do. But if he went to be an O.C. at any other program in the country and Penn State didn't get him, wouldn't hear the end of it. Anytime, yeah. anytime the offense had a bad game, you would hear, oh, fuck. Could have had Joe Brady. Fuck your rocket. We could have had Joe Brady. So, like, best of luck yeah. to him and his family. He's, he's what, 30 years old and an offensive coordinator in the NFL? Good for you, dude. Like, good for you. Um, and then, lastly, I read today, Bob Shoop. if you'll remember, first defensive coordinator under James Franklin back in the day. Um he is now at Michigan. Um Yeah, which is like it's funny. They haven't announced what his position is. I don't think he's gonna be the coordinator. They have a D coordinator. Um but Doc, whatever his name is. Uh Don Brown, right?
1: Don Brown. Don Doc, whatever. Same shit. Doc Brown, back to the future, Don Brown. Same shit.
0: Same shit. Uh where we're going, we don't need roads. (laughs) Um (laughs) Yeah, he, uh, if you remember, he left Penn State for Tennessee a while back, and that flopped, which was kind of hilarious, because like he was a great D coordinator, and then he was like, Penn State's not the place to be, and went there, and I was like, fuck you, dude. Um, then he went to Mississippi State, was D coordinator under Moorhead, uh, and now he is at Michigan, unknown title. So a lot of coaching changes. This is the time of year. Um, for us, we are waiting on our wide receivers coach. But other than that, um, things are pretty much set right now. So... Yeah, it's kind of exciting. All right, let's move on. Um, I think we got one more topic before we get into some other sports and then a couple other Twitter questions. Um, 2020, betting odds. I tweeted this out. We are gamblers. We love gambling. Um, if you follow us, there is the Calicchio Classic, which is you take Penn State and the under. There's the Hank and right. Hard Line, you take Penn State and the over. We bet it pretty religiously. Um, but one of my favorite things to bet is future bets. Like, it is so fun to me to put money on something that is a long shot in the future and hope that lottery ticket pays out months in advance. Uh, so right now, if you want to look at Penn State to win the national championship this next year, 2020 slash 2021, because game gets played, uh, anywhere from 30 to 1 up to 50 to 1. So FanDuel. Dude, why not? Like, this is my thing. It's funny. I had I had people tell me last year when I, I was t- saying putting money on Clifford for Heisman, which of course I knew was gonna lose. People are like, oh, you're flushing money down the drain. Listen, at 50 to one, if I put 10 bucks on it, you win $500, that's fun. You know how many other dumb things I've spent 10 bucks on? (laughs) Like, a lot. So, right now, if you wanna bet Penn State to win the national championship, FanDuel has it at 50 to one, so bet 10, win 500. Some other books have it at 30 to one, 40 to one, so shop around, depending on where you live, where it's legal. The other fun bet, is the Heisman Trophy. So you remember this year, uh, if you remember, we had our friend uh, Nick Davis, Lamb Show, on Talk Betting um, before this year, and he gave us the good tidbit that historically, the last however many years, the people who start in the top five odds at the beginning of the year are not the guys that win it. And I think that was the case again this year. Joe Burrow, I don't think, was a top five guy at the beginning of the I year. Doubt it. I think he was like a 20 to one. And he won it. So like long shots typically win it just because the guys that are hyped are overhyped. Um FanDuel has Sean Clifford at a hundred to one.
1: Might as well lay it down, baby.
0: Ten bucks, thousand dollar return. Do I think Clifford's gonna win it? I don't know. Maybe probably not, but maybe. Throw ten bucks, it's fun. Yeah. Um again, shop the books though, because Bet Online has them at fifty to one. You're sacrificing Half of your money. Find the best odds. Um, what I thought was really cool: Bet Online has Journey Brown listed at fifty to one. Do running backs win the Heisman? No, but cool to see him getting some love. And then um, one of our followers tweeted how at running me: backs
1: Win the Heisman? Huh? Oh, it's only ever running backs and quarterbacks.
0: Yeah, but my point being is, it's quarterbacks. Like, how many running backs have won in the last twenty years? Two.
1: No, it's gotta be more than that.
0: Derrick Henry, Mark Ingram, and I guess Reggie Bush probably.
1: Yeah. Right? It's three.
0: Okay, three. You got me. You got me. Um
1: Adrian Peterson, did he win it?
0: I don't think so. I don't know. I'll have to do I will I actually do want to do a deep dive in the Heisman shout out to our friends at the uh, walk on red shirts. They were tweeting some Heisman stats the other day. Blew my mind. Um, from, like, years ago, like, back in, like, the 50s and 60s when running backs dominated, when, like, an O lineman finished second. So eventually off season, I'll do a video on that. Um, but to wrap up this segment, one of our followers, Brian Evans, tweeted at me as well, Parks Casino, which I think is Pennsylvania, uh, has Micah Parsons listed at 100 to 1. I would honestly yeah. feel – I'd feel better about a Micah bet than I would about a Cliff or a Journey, like, for being real.
1: Um, the Heisman?
0: Yeah, Chase Young was invited as a finalist this year. If Micah has a dominant what are your season, a hundred to one.
1: Hey, yeah, might as well throw it down. Throw ten bucks.
0: Like these are the fun times. So uh, <laughs> it's 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 fun stuff. Like FanDuel. So FanDuel listed out the top um, odds for national championship and for Heisman. Like none of the others are going to be available right now. You're not going to see Big Ten championship. You're not going to see Big Ten East. But just for some comparisons, uh, Penn State again 50 to 1 to win the national champion championship. The favorites, Clemson at 2 to 1, Ohio State three and a half to 1, Bama seven to 1, Georgia seven and a half to 1, LSU jumps up to 14 to 1, Notre Dame 20 to 1. You've got Florida, Texas, USC all at 25, Oklahoma, Texas A&M, Wisconsin all at 30, Iowa and Michigan at 50 with us. We had people uh, we had some Twitter comments. Uh, who was it? It was uh, let's see someone said who uh, who the fuck says Texas. Oh yeah, here you go. CJ, how the fuck does Texas have better championship odds than us? This is Vegas. They don't man. have
1: to go through Ohio State.
0: Yeah, and this is Vegas. Like they're gonna they're gonna give those odds so that Texas diehards just waste their money. Like that's how it works. Um someone else uh, talk about <laughs> Right. Right? Uh, as, as we talk about throwing our money away. Uh, it was the idiots. <laughs> idiots. Listen, listen, but they're idiots. We're smart, okay? Sharps and squares. Uh, and then Lishavar21 replied Texas is always wildly overrated. Don't worry, they'll end up with three plus losses. So, yeah, thank you guys for that. Appreciate it. Um, next year's going to be a fun also, year. Also, their
1: conference is just way easier. So they have of an course. easier pass, path to the yeah. playoff.
0: If Oklahoma doesn't do Oklahoma things, you're in. So um all right last two twitter questions and then we'll get to some uh basketball and wrestling um sorry i skipped all these nick rocky um said who do you think will be the breakout player next year so i think we'll do some deep dives on this in some
1: upcoming episodes but top of your mind who's your who's your breakout player for next year so i i want to choose someone that people aren't because the, the big two you see named are jahan dotson and jason Oway. yes and i think Good chance that they both will be. I think outside of that, I'm looking for Brandon Smith, man. Sure guy. I think Brandon Smith's gonna have a big year. Yep. Uh, I, I'm excited for just this linebacking crew in general. Um and then outside of Brandon Smith, I also like my guy Jaquan Brisker, man. Yeah, buddy. Yep. I think he's gonna have a big season.
0: Yeah, he's you know, ball, you're actually... yeah. He's he... You bring me back, we forgot to answer all of Swin's other questions because we just talked about the 40s. One of his questions was about the linebacking core for next year. So um, I agree. I think Brandon Smith will be a full-time linebacker.
1: Brandon Smith, Micah, Jesse Lucada, you some Curtis Jacobs in there. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited for linebacker next year because, obviously, so you
0: lose Cam Brown, you lose Jan Johnson. Uh, so your starters next year, Micah, probably. I, I would guess he's a starter. <laughs> it's Micah it's Jesse it's uh it's Brandon Smith maybe Ellis Brooks though maybe Ellis gets that middle linebacker spot like we had a we had a conversation the other day with uh with uh Tony Brandon Alex the guys that run um talked about is an outside linebacker what do you think about him moving to middle I said I'm kind of indifferent like he could do it anywhere I think he could absolutely do it but I kind of like him outside in space I think Jesse or Ellis Brooks can be the guy in the middle. I kind of lean Jesse Lakeda. Not that I don't like Ellis. I actually really like Ellis Brooks, um, but for some reason, I think Jesse gets the nod. It's so like for me, you look at Micah, Jesse, Brandon Smith, with guys like Ellis Brooks, Lance Dixon, Curtis Jacobs.
1: Curtis and, Jacobs, I think, is gonna has a chance to do big things as a true freshman. Absolutely. Uh, every camp he went to this off season killed it. Just, yeah, just, everyone talks about how he was the, looked the best at every camp he was at.
0: Yeah, and that's the thing too. Like Brandon Smith, you'll see in a full-time role who showed flashes. Lance Dixon, who is also very highly recruited in the same class, now becomes a role player. Um, you've got guys like Nick Tarburton who didn't play. I don't know if he's going to be a linebacker at the end, to be honest. Like there's so many guys in the roster that you haven't seen. I'm very, very excited about our linebacker core. Yeah. Um, to answer Nick's question about breakout stars um I agree with you in a lot of those senses for me it's going to be a wide receiver I am outside of Jahan Dotson like there will be one guy cuz everyone is so scared about wide receiver there's going to be at least one guy that's going to just go the fuck off and we're all going to be like wow did not see that coming
1: okay which guy I don't
0: know that's the problem <laughs> like I, my obviously I'm I'm banking on John Dunmore just cuz like you can't be that confident in a true freshman unless they're you know Julian Fleming's of the world um I don't know. I, I like John Dunmore, man. I, I hope I see a lot from him. And and then if I have to pick a freshman, it's gonna be Parker Washington. Like okay. I, think, I think Keandre Lambert's gonna be very good, but Parker Washington, he's like caught he's flexing again. I, oh, it's going up there. It's going <laughs> up there, right? Um I think like I think Keandre Lambert's gonna be great. I think a lot of the wide receivers are gonna be good, but you look at these guys, a lot of them are like 175, 180. Parker Washington's like five five eleven two ten. Like, he's already built to be a college wide receiver. And I think he's going to impress a lot of people. So, you know what? Putting it right there. Parker Washington, breakout star. There it is. Um, all right. I think that's all Twitter. Oh, no. Sorry. We have one more um, from Nesque. Nesque? Dave DeGilio. Um, we'll answer this quickly because we kind of touched on it in the beginning, but I guess we'll bookend it. He said, lawsuit aside, does Franklin have a character problem with the players he's bringing in? The behavior described, even if not criminally prosecuted, sounds and looks terrible. There was a court, uh, there was the count in Vandy case, uh, the doctor complaint, and the luster is wearing off. I answered this one on Twitter, but I, I think this is probably a good wrap up here before we get into some of the other sports. I, I, I mean, flat out, no. Flat out, no. I don't think there's a character problem. I think you look at the vast majority of players that have been on this team for the last five, six years, even look at just the Franklin era, not even going back before that stand up quality guys that you would want to be the face of your program. You look at the Trace McSorley, the Saquon barkers the Chris Goddard, the Deshaun Heldon, the Micah the I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on and on. I know I just named of skill players, but literally any side of the ball, any position, like Nick Scott, love. Like John Reed, love. Like you look at these guys, Miles Sanders, Yitor. Like, I, I mean, I literally could name 99% of the guys. I, I don't think I could name the 1% who are bad. Like there's probably some guys that have issues. My hope is that they are dealt with appropriately. They get handled, and they become better men for it. Do I think there's a culture problem? No, I don't. It is do I. Like, that, that's kind of it. So we're rambling. This is a long episode, um, but a lot to come, man. A lot to come. This is a good season. There, I'm excited for next season. We'll do some fun stuff. Uh, we, we talked about it last episode, but, again, this offseason, we'll do some look-backs at our favorite plays of the year, our favorite Um, you know, favorite moments of the year, things like that, where we'll just go back and have some fun with it. Um, But Let's wrap up, uh, Pat. Basketball, wrestling, things are happening. What's going on in the world of other Penn State sports?
1: What do we want to cover first?
0: Let's go basketball because I feel like it'll be quicker.
1: Okay, so we all were excited about Penn State basketball, beating number 23 Iowa, their first ranked game in like a decade. Yep. huge. Penn State climbed up to number 20 and has since lost three straight Oh, there's Wisconsin and Minnesota. Yikes. And it's Rutgers is actually a surprisingly good team this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, they should be ranked soon. I don't know when it's going to happen, but they should. Um, but then we're coming up against on Saturday, we're playing Ohio state who beat us by 30 the last time we played them. Yeah. Um, so I, I mean, I think this is still a good Penn state team, but they're going to have to rebound soon and hard. Um, and I I think this should still be a team that even if they don't finish the season ranked goes to the tournament. They're talented enough. The, the real problem with with this team that I've been watching is there isn't a consistent option outside Lamar Stevens. And he's not really a shooter. Like he 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 drives the basket incredibly. He's got a good short range like you know mid range game. He's not like a three point shooter. He's not a sharp shooter. Yeah. Um, You've got guys like Isaiah Brockington who they have spurts where they're good and then they're cold. Uh, we've got the big guy, Mike Watkins, who is sometimes great but is so inconsistent. Uh, you saw it really in the Rutgers game where he had 10 points in the first half, I think none in the second. Ooh. Like we, we just We've got a bunch of guys around Lamar Stevens that get hot and disappear. And someone has to step up as a really consistent second option. It'd be great if it was a shooter. Yeah. Um, Who's a
0: uh, Myron Jones? Is he a shooter? I see his name a lot on Twitter.
1: Yeah, I mean, again, it's he's
0: hot and cold. I, yeah. I
1: it's one of these things that like we're not getting consistent production out of anyone not named Lamar Stevens right now.
0: Yeah, and he's um, a beast, man. He's really he's good.
1: And he, honestly, his only real problem is that he gets some foul trouble sometimes. Yeah. In the Rutgers game, he caught two quick fouls, missed basically the entire first half. The the officiating that game was tough on Penn State, but to be honest, Rutgers outplayed them and played harder than them. This is a Penn State Penn State team that I think generally plays very hard. Yeah. Watch them. Yeah. Uh, Up and down the floor, like they and they just didn't really bring that the whole night against Rutgers, Um, and it finally just caught up to them. And not and also in Rutgers' uh, defense, they beat Penn State without their best player, so they Mm. had their best player on the not on the floor at all that night. So they deserved that. All right, um, but I, you know, got a tough schedule coming up in Ohio State, then Michigan, who's nineteen, and then you know, those are games that we're going to be a dog for in both of them. Yeah, um, you got to hope to steal one of those games, get momentum back on on your side, and then you have to rebound against Indiana. Like, you're going to have to come away with wins against Indiana and Nebraska because then you got Michigan State after that. Who Penn State should have beat the first time they played them, and kind of gave it away at the end of the game. Um, Penn State's having trouble closing out games.
0: Yeah, sounds a lot like a yeah. uh, sounds a lot like football teams of of past years.
1: Yeah, it happened against Minnesota. Happened against Rutgers. I didn't. I didn't watch the Wisconsin game, unfortunately. But it's when other teams start to key in on Lamar Stevens, they start to you know play type of defense where you can't really penetrate. And we sometimes the wheels can come off. Yeah. And you you gotta hope someone steps up and we just ha- we haven't seen it yet.
0: Yeah, I've um, uh, we'll yeah, I've watched I've watched a little bit, but mostly I follow along on Twitter. A lot of the accounts, if you follow like a, like a Black Shoot Diaries or, or any of those, they they like live tweet the game, so that's mostly how I consume it. Um then watch like highlights that everyone posts. Um yeah, Lamar Stevens is that dude. Someone put up uh someone put up the question, is there a better numbered duo across sports than Lamar Stevens and Mike Parsons. They both wear 11. Uh, I thought that was pretty funny. Um, yeah, it's it's tough, man, because, like, because basketball has been, you know, so bad for so long, to see them finally off to this hot start, to be ranked for the first time in, what was it, 23 years. Like, so much uphill, 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 and then a little bit of a losing streak. And, you know, that's college basketball. You lose a couple in a row, and, like, all of a sudden you're just out of the conversation. So, Um, I agree with you. I think we're still in a good spot to to make the big dance, Uh, March Madness. You know, we're we're getting damn close to that. Um, We haven't been in the tournament since, I think it was like, I don't know, 08, 09 maybe?
1: Uh, No, no. I think we went in 2012, maybe. We lost to Temple in the first round.
0: Okay. I remember, I think when I was in school back in like, back in that 08 to 012, we lost to Richmond one year in the first round. I remember that. I think it was Richmond.
1: That's probably your freshman year.
0: Yeah. So here nor there, it's been a while. It'll be great to see them back there. And, and yeah, you hope you catch some of that that magic that you know propelled us into the into the ranks. What did we hit twenty at our at our top? I yeah, think we
1: got to twenty, and we've dropped out since. Yeah. Um, I, think, I think we're gonna need a guy like a Myron Jones or an Isaiah Brockton to step up and be a serious contributor that yeah. get that can score points at any point in the game that takes pressure off Lamar Stevens.
0: Yeah. Agreed. So. Shout out to all of our supporters of the basketball team. I will say the people that support that team are fucking diehards, and I respect the hell out of it. Um, hopefully, also,
1: I want to see some some more consistent production out of Mike Watkins because man, when yeah. he's good, he's tremendous. He's yeah. great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's. I mean, he's averaging ten points and eight rebounds a game. Like that's still very good.
0: Not bad for a big man.
1: Yeah. Exactly. So, but it's just he's got. You got to be able to see him the whole game.
0: Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. So, Pat Chambers, basketball, we love you. Hopefully, uh, hopefully, finish this season strong. Um, all right, Pat, close out with some wrestling. What's happening with our Penn oh, State Matt? wrestling? Pat on the mat.
1: Uh, Penn State wrestling. Uh, I Last time we talked, I told you guys about Penn State's first dual meet loss in like five years, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, there's good news and bad news for Penn oh, State wrestling. Right? I don't want bad news. The good news is we have rebounded with nothing but wins.
0: Okay. I love that. Love it. Don't so, even care what the bad news is.
1: Yeah. Since since the loss to Arizona State, we've beaten Lehigh uh, 23 to 10. Uh, the big news out of that match was number one, Mark Hall, won up against uh, number two, I forget the kid's name from Lehigh, and beat him by like seven. Nice. Handled him nicely. You like to see it. Um, Mark Hall should – there's no way Mark Hall shouldn't win a national championship this year uh also no win. way he
0: should or no way he shouldn't
1: no way he shouldn't
0: okay that scared me i thought you said there's no way he should win one and i was like whoa, whoa, whoa where are we going here
1: uh then the uh upenn 33-7 idiots uh illinois 22-16 to and Awful. northwestern 30-9 to all matches penn state should win um the illinois match was concerning uh we, we trotted out like a like a third team for half of that match and we're actually losing like halfway through guys and hurt or what? Yeah. Some, uh, so a couple guys were sick. Okay. Uh, but the, so the big thing that's happened with Penn state, two really big injuries.
0: Oh, is this the bad news? Uh,
1: yeah, this is the, big oh. news though. Kyle Connell who was wrestling at 197, was the big transfer in Penn state. Um, he hadn't just hadn't been looking good all season. He hadn't been on the mat in a full year. He missed all of last season transferred to Penn state. Looking for huge things out of him and he just wasn't happening. And he ended up getting hurt. He's gonna oh. be out for the rest of the season. And the really the one that really hurts is Anthony Cassar. Uh yeah. and the champ. And the champ.
0: Calm down, calm down, down. i the champ.
1: Yep. Oh uh, went, went to an Olympic qualifying event. So not even like a a Penn State wrestling event. And separated his shoulder and was gonna be out for the rest of the season. And that's most likely going to be how he ends his Penn State wrestling career.
0: Oh, that sucks! That sucks.
1: He has another year of eligibility, but I don't think he's going to take it. Um, I think he's going to he's going to try to go to the Olympics in 2020. Yeah. And then I think he's going to move on to MMA.
0: Okay. A lot of guys do that, huh? That's uh, like the new move.
1: More of a thing now. Yeah. yeah.
0: Interesting. But, okay.
1: So that you know, it, it leaves a lot of questions in this lineup because yeah. The, Ant was, that was a guy who, at worst, was going to finish third at NCAAs. Yeah. And was still a presumptive favorite to win. So who's his, um,
0: who's his replacement?
1: Uh, Seth Neville's younger brother of former All-American Nick Neville's. I know that name. Anthony actually took his spot as the heavyweight last season. Okay. Um, Seth, I think, is a true freshman. He is a kid. He, he's not – the chances of him winning a national championship this season are slim. Sure. But he, he should be able to All-American. Okay. should be able to pick up some points for us at the tournament, finish in the top eight. That's good. So that it's a reasonable uh, request out of him. Uh, we've got a new 125-pounder, Brandon Meredith. Uh, Brody Teske, who I thought was going to be our guy, and the season has already transferred out. He's Oh, damn. Winner. Yeah. At the University of Northern Iowa now. Uh, but Brandon Meredith has already snuck into the top 25, uh, right at 25. He's a guy, again, he's not going to – He's not going to compete to win a national championship, but he could compete to place. Yeah, hey, the,
0: if you're in the mix, that's damn good.
1: The 125 spot is that's really what Penn State hasn't had since the one year of Nick Soriano and then Nico Megalutus before him. Yeah. That should help tremendously. Um, unfortunately, it's just – it doesn't look like it's Penn State's year to win one. Oh, uh, This is a rebuilding year. For I
0: Penn don't State. know how to deal with that. Like as a ca- as a casual Penn State wrestling fan, which I think most people are, and that's not a knock. Like you you are a Penn State fanatic, and I respect the hell out of that. I think there's a small contingent of people who love and breathe wrestling. The rest of us are like casual wrestling fans who see number one national championship win eight out of the last nine, and we're like, "Yep, yeah. it's our school. Love it's those guys." Again, yeah. And fuck, man, that's a, a tough pill to swallow.
1: And the the only thing that makes it worse is it's, it's going to be Iowa.
0: Oh, that was going to um, be my next question. Who's who's going to beat us?
1: We should finish ahead of Ohio State.
0: Ohio okay, State. I will take that. Always happy to do that. Take that.
1: that. Uh, but Iowa's got an unbelievable lineup this year. I think 9 out of the 10 guys in their lineup are in the top 5. Oh. And I think all 10 of them are ranked in the top 10.
0: It's murder but as well. I
1: think, I think the, their lowest ranked guy is at like 11th or something.
0: That's what we normally are, right?
1: Um, Yeah, except for like one weight class or another. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. For I mean, if, if we have any chance, what's going to have to happen is Brandon Meredith's going to have to all American. He's going to have to shock some people. Roman Bravo Young would have to beat Austin DeSanto from Iowa. He would have to probably win at one thirty three. He's currently ranked fourth, so it's not out of the realm of possibility. A man, Roman Bravo Young is electric. Anything. Love happens.
0: that guy. Love that guy.
1: Uh, Nick Lee is going to have to. Win it at 141. He's currently ranked second. So again, okay, very reasonable. I think this could be his year, uh, especially with Yanni Diakamahalis out taking a uh, an Olympic red shirt. He's gonna have to get past Luke Fletcher of Ohio State, and that's a tall order, man. Uh, but he could certainly do it um, at 149. We got Jared Verclearin. He's one of our only unranked wrestlers so far this season, but he's a guy that he's always seems to be in it. Okay. Um, so I'm, So you're,
0: so you're telling me not all hope is lost, but prepare yourself no, for it, it's not a long shot. yeah, it's not and not going to be so we, a national championship.
1: Second. Okay. But, you know, crazy things are always going to happen in the tournament. Like, yeah. like I said, Ohio state's got nine guys in the top 5. They're not going to finish with nine guys in the top. Five. Right. It's, it's not right. Finish. Um Honestly, the big thing that's going to have to happen is Vincenzo Joseph, currently ranked number one at once. He's going to have to do something he's never done in his career, and that is beat Alex Marinelli from Iowa.
0: That dude beat him twice, right? Yes. Yeah.
1: And he's he's the, I think, outside of Mikai Lewis, the only guy that Chenzo has lost to and never beaten. Because uh, he lost to Isaiah Martinez twice, but he beat Isaiah Martinez twice in the finals. Yeah. 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 But Makai Lewis, the kid who beat Chenzo in the finals last season, is on an Olympic red shirt. But he's gonna have to get past Alex Marinelli if we want a shot at this. Damn.
0: It's a lot of pressure, man. It's a lot of pressure for Chenzo. It is. Oh. All right. So what's what's the timeline look like? Where are we at in the season? When does this when does the like the national final tournament happen. so we
1: just started the big 10 schedule we've got rutgers this sunday which should be a tough match rutgers is a solid team um we should still win that though um and then the big ones are going to be iowa on the 31st uh that's going to be a huge test yeah if we can hang with iowa that's a great sign okay but like, what, is, what does
0: hang with constitute like lose by how many points
1: 10 or less. Okay. I would say if we lose by less than 10, we should actually be happy with that result. Okay. Because, I mean, they outrank us in almost every weight class.
0: Hey, good teams win, great teams cover. That's what I'm looking That's for true. here.
1: That's right, baby. And then the other big one, uh, we we don't wrestle um, Ohio State in a dual meet this year. So to be honest, it's... Then it's just going to be big 10s. Oh, no, we do wrestle Ohio State at February 15th at home, in the Bryce Jordan Center. Hey! We sell out.
0: Yeah, if you um, live in we State College, go to.
1: wrestle them Oof. in Carver Hawkeye, which is, whoo, that's a tough one.
0: Yeah, <laughs> not looking forward to
1: that. <laughs> yeah, but like I said, also, Penn State's a better tournament team than dual meet team. Always have been. That's the way Kale does it. All he really cares about is, like, yeah, he likes winning dual meets, but what he cares about, tournament is winning in March. March Madness. Uh, I like that.
0: So I mean... That's so why you come to Penn State, win big matches, win national we're titles. Team time. Team That's time. right. That was close. That was close. Yeah, it's
1: good <laughs> enough. All right. But, you know, it's it's, it's, it's going to be an uphill battle for Penn State wrestling this season. Yeah. But the, the good news for the program is an uphill battle is a year that you're projected to come be the second best team in the country. Not um, bad. Not bad. It's, we're going to do what Penn State does. We're going to reload, and we're going to come back.
0: Yeah. Hell yeah. We don't rebuild. We reload. That's right, think. All right, and that was uh, Talking Matt with Pat. Is that what we settled on? I think it was Pat Talking Matt. Pat Talking Matt, Pat on the mat, Matt with Pat. You get the point, Pat Calicchio on Twitter. Uh, He is all of your wrestling needs. Um, All right, we're going to wrap up because we're at like an hour and a half now. This is a long episode. But, guys, I'm going to talk to you in a month. This is what happens in the offseason. Episodes will be farther and fewer between, but they'll be a little bit longer. Um, we're going to try to do some fun stuff this offseason. I think I said this exact same thing last season and we didn't do any, uh, but we're going to do some more video content. We've we're, got video now, baby. we got video. We're going to bring in some people. We're going to do some fun interviews. Uh, we're going to bring in some friends. Uh, you'll probably see the group therapy uh, team come back in, Tony, Brandon, Alex. We'll bring in some people that we've been talking to on Twitter. Um, I think we're going to do some more YouTube, We're gonna, maybe maybe a blog. Maybe you'll see some written word. Uh, there's, there's big things coming from No Names All Game this offseason. We are not rebuilding. We are reloading. We're getting ready. Uh, and thank you guys for following along all year. It's been a fun one. Like I said, obviously, we wish, wish we were in the playoff, wish we had a national championship, but it's only going to be sweeter when we get it. So, Pat, first official offseason episode. Anything to leave the fans with? Thanks for coming along on
1: the ride, guys.
0: Yeah. Appreciate you guys as always. Follow us on Twitter. Instagram, no names all game, leave a review on iTunes, this is what you're supposed to say. Thanks for listening. Hopefully thanks for watching. And uh we'll talk to you guys soon. Peace out.